0: Good evening at home. Good evening, everybody here. So we're only seven days away. Officially, this time next week, we'll be done. (laughs) We'll be done. All of this, it'll be done. I'll probably be asleep somewhere in a corner, I would imagine. So, and I don't know about you, but I absolutely love that Christmas is going to be on a Sunday. Does it confuse you if it's not on a Sunday? Because it's a very Sunday event. Um, So I love that it's on a Sunday. I feel like I won't forget what day of the week it is just because of that, so it's very exciting. So together through this Advent, we have been thinking on the words, it's coming home. And despite the sting of the football, I mean, I'm Welsh, so we're used to it. um, You know, we're just happy to be invited. You know, it's like one of those things, like, you want to go, and you want to come out with the award. But we're just really pleased that we were nominated, um, and genuinely. So, you know, I feel your pain, but we take it a bit less to heart, I feel. But we are thinking about those words, and despite that sting, there is a joy that is attached to these three words. So, as I was thinking about um, this evening, and I was listening to one of my favourite songs by Lizzo, Are You Ready?, And um, you didn't know where I was going with that, did you? It's a dangerous one, that one, but I do love that song. It's just so catchy and it gets stuck in your head. But I was thinking, are you ready? And this is actually a question. I either get asked the most this time of year or I ask other people. And as I was thinking about it, I was like, why do we ask this? Do I ask other people? Because I'm trying to assess how good they are at planning. Like, are you ready yet? Because if you are, then I'm impressed. And if you're not, then you're making me feel better. Like, why do I ask it? And the one thing I do know, though, is you should never, ever, ever ask Kate on the school run this question. Now, for context, I have three children. And so I do several school runs in a day. And um, you should never ask Kate this question because I can tell you right now, she has been ready since mid-November. She is Christmas ready to the point when we hit December and I've just about decided on what tree I'm getting. She is wrapped with every present. She has every outfit for every member of her family picked out for every major event. That includes school activities as well. And she has the tree up. The presents are even under the tree. How she does it, I'm not actually sure. And now, actually, maybe some of you at home watching are actually wrapping your presents while doing this, to which I say, well done, because I am not that prepared. I still have not wrapped. In fact, I still have not finished buying all of my presents. But what I can tell you is when I leave that conversation with Kate at the school run, I walk away and I feel very, very, very unready. I leave, in fact, feeling that I am woefully behind schedule with everything. And that's not her intention. She can brag, she can be organized, and I admire her for that. So as we continue through the journey of Advent, I'm going to ask you tonight several times in different ways. Are you ready? Now, Advent can be summarized in two words, waiting and watching. And the week before last, Matt took us through the idea of waiting and asked us, what are we waiting for? And so today I'm going to have a little look at watching. And now I'm not talking about the sort of watching where we kind of are disengaged and we're passively sat. Um, because actually it's reported that in 2022, the average British adult watches five hours and 16 minutes of audiovisual content a day, which works out to be roughly a third of our awake time. We spend watching something. And I love watching stuff. I absolutely love it. I can get lost in a reel and just scroll. And you know how you go, just one more, just one more, and then I'll go to bed. And like, oh, that one wasn't a good one. I don't want to end on that one. I'll watch another one. And so I mindlessly scroll and scroll and scroll. Uh, But that's not the sort of watching I'm talking about tonight. Not the sort that numbs us from the world or disengages us from the world around us and the events. But actually it's... attentive, active, engaging sort of watching. Um, I don't know if many of you in this room will have done this um, yet, perhaps not, but it's more of the sort of watching your kids than the nativity sort of watching. And it sounds like a really laid back, sit in your seat kind of thing to do, but it's not. I can tell you this for sure. It's really active you have to be paying attention because number one you're looking for where they are in the crowd where they're all wearing the same sort of stuff you're looking for them you find them and then you're looking at them like this and then you prep them you're sort of like mentally prepping them like there's some sort of telepathic connection like come on you've got this you've got this fine you're readying yourself for that line that they've got coming up that you all know because you've practiced it so much at home and you're like and you, you know, you mind to them, and you're like, nice and loud, and smile as they're singing. It's that sort of watching. We're we're readying ourselves. We're preparing ourselves for what is about to come. And so, Advent is not simply this preparation for a single day. We're not preparing ourselves for this moment that in seven days will be done. It'll be over in a flash. But we're readying ourselves, and it's a reminder of that preparation we do for the everyday. For the fact that God is at work in the everyday and Advent helps remind us that we should prepare ourselves because God is at work and we should really be paying attention because God has a really keen interest in the unexpected. And so that's what we're kind of going to look through a little bit more tonight. And so the unexpected now in Luke's gospel, Luke does a thorough examination of Jesus' life. And he writes of not only Jesus' conception and birth, but also of another one. He actually writes about the arrival of John the Baptist. And he pays particular attention to prophecy that is being fulfilled. In the Old Testament scripture, there are three places that prophesy of John the Baptist's coming. One in Isaiah and two in Malachi. And they speak of the fact that he is coming to prepare a people for their king that he will come and help make them ready. And so we'll take a look at um, Luke 1, verse 14 to 17, where the angel is speaking to Zechariah. And it says, He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord, their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn their hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. John was for Zachariah and Elizabeth unexpected. He was waited for. They were older in age, but he was still a surprise. Now, I'm Welsh, as I've mentioned. I like to mention it a lot. Not normally when I'm in Wales, because it's less interesting. Um, But there are jokes that we like to make that God is Welsh. Now, it might be because of the beautiful countryside and the rolling hills and the land of song and all of those things. But I've got another piece of evidence. Now, none of this is theologically accurate at all, by the way. I have no evidence that suggests that God is actually Welsh. But... We like to think it. And um, when I look at stories of um, the way in which God does these things unexpectedly, it has me thinking about a really Welsh saying. I'll be there now in a minute. Now, it's impossible to be both there now and in a minute. And my husband, Andrew, this is one of his most frustrating (laughs) Welsh phrases. But I love it. It is the absolute perfect response to, are you ready? I'll be there now in a minute. Like, what what does this mean? Should I be ready with my shoes on or should I wait 10 minutes? We don't know. We don't really know what's going on. But time and time again, we see God do this. We see God say that I'll be there now in a minute. And we see the fact here where... Actually, God, for these prophecies in the Old Testament, hundreds of years before the arrival of John, is that I'm sending someone now in a minute, he will be there. And God shows us that he shows up at the right time. But it's on us, those that are seeking the move of God, to be watching, to be waiting, to be ready for him coming and him moving And the now in a minute of John's arrival was much like Jesus in that it was long awaited. And in Isaiah 40 verse three to five, it says a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert, a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level and the rugged places plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And this is who John was. John was a voice in the wilderness, crying out. And John's cry, physical cry, actually came before the birth of Jesus. It was actually John's cry as a baby that broke that silence of that 400 years where God's people are waiting for God to move. And this voice of a baby, this cry of a baby, calls out declaring that the wilderness is done. that this season of God at move is here. And isn't the Bible awesome? Because, well, I think it is anyway. Because it has all of these wonderful echoes running through it of God's goodness. That time and time again we see these things repeated. That God is reminding us constantly of how good he is. That we actually see in the Old Testament a birth of another baby to older parents that is long awaited and promised. And that is with Abraham and Sarah and the birth of Isaac. And the birth of Isaac marked a turning point, a foundation point for the Israel nation. And here with John... For those that are watching, those that are waiting, those that are ready, see it once again, that this signaled a great change for Israel, but also this time for the whole world. So John's arrival was unexpected, but it was particular. And it asked this silent question to those watching, are you ready? Now, much like for us in this season, if if you're a Christian in this room, if you're a believer in this room, that... Advent isn't just about us saying to our friends and family, come with me. Come see this baby. John wasn't just trying to call people towards a baby, but to a savior. To one that would buy them for a price of the cross. That would win them on the cross. And this is what Advent does for all of us. It doesn't just draw us to a manger or to a baby, but to our savior. And then Luke takes us on another journey. He takes us into another unlikely event, into the shepherds. So in the narrative, in the nativity, there is a group of the most unlikely people to be called on for such a time as this. So he calls upon these people who aren't really the people you would go to for information or inspiration. The shepherds aren't your natural ones to find out all the latest news from. But for me and you in this story this so important. Now the shepherds at this time were considered incredibly low down on the social pecking order. They were isolated from everyday life because of their livelihoods. They spent their time living in the hills and the pastures surrounding society. They would have smelt they would have been less educated than others and they would expect their lives to be like this day in day out. They were physically and socially on the outskirts. But however, the shepherds were trained to do one thing, and that was to watch. They were trained to be alert. They were ready. They were there to protect their flocks. They were watching, waiting for wolves or anything else that could come and destroy their livelihoods. They were ready to respond. But that night on that hillside, they were watching. But this isn't the thing that they were ready for. Let's take a look. In Luke 2, verse 8 to 12, it says And they were shepherds living out on the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause you great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord this will be assigned to you you will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger so when we look again at this question in light of the shepherds and we ask are you ready i can't help but think they certainly weren't the other week when matt asked us what are we waiting for it got me thinking that when we wait we have time to prepare Simeon waited Years to see the savior with his own eyes. He had bags of time to prepare. The wise men traveled and packed and prepared for an epic journey to follow their curiosities. And I don't know if you've ever done a really long journey on a quadruped before. I mean I haven't so I can't say but I imagine you've got a lot of time to think to imagine what's about to come to ponder all the options. Mary and Joseph, they had time to prepare, just like many expectants' parents before them and since them. They have that time to prepare for the baby's arrival. And granted, the census was a little bit of a curveball, but they had this time to prepare for Jesus' arrival. And the shepherds, on the other hand, were only given that night. And in fact, they were the first people to be told of Jesus' arrival. The shepherds, the outskirts, the outliers were the ones to be told that the saviour of our world was here. And I don't know about you, but this kind of tests the limits of my comfort. Um, I'm an Enneagram 9. Does that mean anything to anyone in this room? Some people know their Enneagram types. Some people do not, and that's fine. But I'm an Enneagram 9, which means I'm a bit of a peacekeeper. I like to people please, make sure everyone's all right. Um, not try to force my opinion too much into situations. Um, And it also means that I don't like to be told things last minute, mainly because I can't make quick decisions because I don't have time to overthink them. And I need time to overthink. And the shepherds didn't get given this time, and that makes me feel very uncomfortable for them. Because for me, if I were a shepherd in this situation, I would need to know what to wear ideally what time i should arrive and if other people would be there before me i'd like to know that as well um i would need to know how long it would take to get there um, therefore i know what time to leave um what does the stable that look like is there a particular door color what if i walked into the wrong stable and then also do i bring my sheep or do i just leave because if i leave them then i might lose them all and then if i lose them all then I'll have nothing. See, I, ne- I need time to go from zero to catastrophe. Um, it doesn't always take that long, but I need a bit of that time that the shepherds weren't given this time. And so, however odd and incredibly unlikely this event is, it is significant. This statement of speaking to the shepherds first and foremost was a statement of intent by God. It signified that Jesus was coming to turn the world upside down, that he was coming to make sure that the first were last and the last became first. For the shepherds, where the hills turned into a chorus of angels, their watching had turned into seeking. Now, this situation hadn't changed. They weren't suddenly popular in society. They weren't suddenly in the middle of a town. But they did have their hearts changed. But they still had to do something. They weren't simply taken up by the angels and set down before the baby saviour. But with no context of a coming saviour, they readied themselves. They moved. They got ready to meet with God. And they were invited in for this little moment. Like Wales being invited into the World Cup. They were invited in, perhaps for the first time, welcomed into a very unusual but very homely setup. And they were welcomed into this precious secret. And then there in that stable, all of them wrapped in this silent night, in this precious moment. Now, the shepherd's response and willingness and readying to go shows us that the door is open. It shows us that regardless of our social standing, regardless of the opinion of other people or whether we've ever been invited in before, that we are now invited for an audience with the saviour. Now, this time of year, and we've mentioned it earlier, can, unlike the first Christmas, be very familiar and very expected for some of us, those are incredibly traditional expectations of all the trimmings, that we always have dinner at the same time. We know what Uncle Fred's going to do. I mean, I know Matt had an Aunt Sue in his message, but I've got an Uncle Fred. I don't actually. Um, or whether we're going to be watching the Queen's speech, not the Queen's speech for the first year, but the King's speech, will we be watching that? But. For some of us, yeah, not the film, the actual King's speech, yeah. Although the film is really good as well. Um, But for some of us, actually it is familiar, but it comes with that familiar pang of hurt or feeling that we are outcast in this season. Or maybe it comes with that dread of what next week's going to look like. So with this time of year can feel run of the mill for good or for bad, but they are incredibly familiar. And Advent, after all, is a time of assurance, a time of certainty that God came to be with us, that he came to make his home among us. And despite all the similarities, this Christmas can be different. This Advent can be different. We can watch. We can prepare ourselves for God's move. We can welcome him into the busyness. We can make a space for him at the table of our lives. And clear out some of the clutter. John 1 verse 14 says this. And we've probably heard it lots over this Advent season. But it's so important. The word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son. Who came from the father. Full of grace and truth. God is with us. And God is moving. As we have seen after the centuries of silence, Jesus entered quietly. And known only by a really unlikely few. And there's a song I love at this time of year. It's called Winter Snow, um, and it's on a Chris Tomlin um, Christmas album, and it says this. It says he came like a winter snow, quiet, soft and slow. And God moved in a way that was unexpected for everybody. And yet, so many were looking the other way. Isaiah 43, 19 says this. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So I am going to ask you that question again. Are you ready? Are you ready to maybe this evening meet with Jesus in a new way? Or maybe... Are you ready to meet with this baby saviour for the first time? Or are you just ready to respond to God? Maybe you are still in that waiting. What are you waiting for? But maybe you want to remain ready. Ready for that now in a minute of God's arrival. God can surprise us with his timing and his ways. But we can be attentively watching, scouting the horizon, looking for the rumblings and the changes, signalling that he is on the move. We can prepare our hearts and have a faith that is ready to respond. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be looking the other way as he moves. So can we pray? Yeah, Heavenly Father. We thank you for this moment. We thank you for this time that you have carved out for us to come before you, to seek you, to look to you, to watch for your move. Lord, I pray for each of us, whatever this Christmas season looks like, for whatever lies ahead this week. Lord, I pray that we will see you at work, that we will see you moving in our midst through us and in us. And Lord, I pray that we will just be looking for you on the horizon as we end a year, as we look towards a new one. I pray that we will be looking for your move at work. In Jesus' name, amen.